I'm not 
After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos Shushan Purim morning. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. <laughs>
שנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, בראותם יחד את חילת מרדכי. שושנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, בראותם יחד את חילת מרדכי. שושנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, בראותם יחד את חילת מרדכי. שושנת יעקב צהלה ושמחה, בראותם יחד את חילת מרדכי. תשועתם היית
בעניין השמחה, העוטים עכשיו, שלפעמים כשבני אדם שמחים ומרקדים, אזי חוטפים איש אחד מבחוץ, אזי חוטפים איש אחד מבחוץ שהוא בעצמו, הוא מראה שחורה. בעניין השמחה, העוטים עכשיו, שלפעמים כשבני אדם שמחים ומרקדים, אזי חוטפים איש אחד מבחוץ, אזי חוטפים איש אחד מבחוץ שהוא בעצמו, תומר השחורה. ומכניסים אותו בים כל חול לתוך מחול המרקדים, ומכריחים אותו בים כל חול. ומכניסים אותו בים כוחו לתוך מכל המרקדים ומכריחים אותו בים כוחו שישמח עמהם גם כן Oh, yes, all on that side. Let's see, give us some. Behold, there's a boy. 
Gledajte! Dezejde!
JM in the AM celebrating Shushan Purim in our New York City studios on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Benny Friedman with that Purim medley number two from his most recent uh, album, which is a Purim album. Yeshiva Boys, uh, Miami Boys, Amuri Sheish, they all had their version of Alanisim. Chuasam and Shoshanas Yaakov, that was Shlomo Katz. Avrami Flam and La Yehudim, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this March 18th, the 15th of Adar 2. It is Shushan Purim morning. A very happy Shushan Purim to everybody on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Tzav with candle lighting in New York, 645. Some synagogues might begin earlier. Some communities might begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. But we are now on uh, daylight savings time in the New York area actually in the United States. So uh, candle lighting is now at 645, and um, uh, there still is a six-hour difference between us here in New York and the Holy Land, a six-hour difference. That'll go back to seven hours this coming Thursday night. 50 degrees with 93% humidity, winds are west at five miles per hour. Partly cloudy today with a high temperature of 68. Then tonight, cloudy with... Uh, uh, with um, a rain with rain what what did i write here <laughs> uh with rain and uh possible thunderstorms a low of 52 and tomorrow some rain and thunder and a high of 62 degrees right now Yerushalayim is at 50 we're at 50 here in new york city as we say good morning at jm and the am both harry rothenberg and rabbi yudin will speak to us about parshas tzav coming up we've got um We've got um, a Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll conduct the weekly update with Malcolm at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's Shushan Purim morning. You know what that means? It means that uh, we are going to uh, speak with David Cutler in the 8 o'clock hour and find out who the winner is in the um, NCSY Summer Raffle. Somebody's going to be a big winner of a free NCSY Summer Program. And we'll find out who that is and uh, all the details coming up in the 8 o'clock hour right here at JM in the AM. The <laughs>
in the AM. That's brand new from uh, Uri Davidi, uh, Echad Miodea, or actually, uh, more accurately, Echad Aniodea is the uh, official title of that song. Uh, before that, you heard the uh, Lanetzach selection done by Mordechai Ben David, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and on the Nachum Single Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. We've got Galit Tzal in the background. we our news from Israel coming up. Harry Rothenberg will join us regarding Pashas Tzav and Purim. Someone mentioned on the app this morning, thank you to M.Y. Appel, Shushan Purim Sameach. If this wasn't yet mentioned, according to most customs, after tomorrow, the regular Haftorah for Tzav will not be read again until the year 2043. In non-leap years, Tzav is Shabbos HaGadol, and in leap years, it's usually Zachar or Para. Pretty cool. That's underrated. I, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, we always talk about Miketz, how it's almost never read because of Shabbos Hanukkah, but this one, I don't think Tzav we ever uh, discussed to that extent, how it is very, very rare that the Haftorah for Parshas Tzav is read. Keep that in mind on this era of Shabbos Parshas Tzav. 
Candlelighting at 645 here in New York. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour. Malcolm Homeline at 740 a.m. Eastern time. We will do that uh, coming up in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, toward the end of the 7 o'clock hour with the weekly update and much, much more here at JM and the AM. Gali Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast. 1 p.m. newscast for Friday is next, JM and the AM. ראש הממשלה בנט ושר החוץ לפיד בהצהרה משותפת נגד ממשל ביידן. אם משמרות המהפכה של איראן יוסרו מרשימת ארגוני הטרור האמריקנית, מדובר בעלבון ומחיקת המציאות. כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. ברקע דרישתה של איראן להסיר את משמרות המהפכה מרשימת ארגוני הטרור כחלק מהמשא ומתן לחתימה על הסכם הגרעין, בישראל תוקפים הבוקר בחריפות את העובדה שממשל ביידן בוחן דרישה זו. בהודעה המשותפת של בנט ולפיד שפורסמה בעברית ובאנגלית נכתב הניסיון לבטל את ההגדרה של משמרות המהפכה כארגון טרור הוא עלבון ומחיקת המציאות אנו מתקשים להאמין שההגדרה תבוטל תמורת הבטחה לא לפגוע באמריקנים עוד נכתב בהצהרה אנחנו מאמינים שארצות הברית לא תפקיר את בעלות בריתה תמורת הבטחות של טרוריסטים המאמץ הדיפלומטי להפסקת אש במזרח אירופה, נשיא רוסיה פוטין שוחח עם קנצלר גרמניה שולץ ובוושינגטון מגבירים את האיומים על המדינות שיתמכו ברוסים לרבות סין, כשבמקביל משעות הבוקר נמשכות ההפגזות על מערב אוקראינה. מדווחת כתבת חדשות החוץ עומר עזרן. נשיא רוסיה ולדימיר פוטין אמר בשיחה עם קנצלר גרמניה אולף שולץ כי קייב מנסה לעצור את שיחות השלום עם רוסיה ומציבה דרישות לא הגיוניות. אך מוסקבה עדיין מעוניינת להמשיך במשא ומתן. בתוך כך, ברקע מתווה הסיוע המקומי לפליטי המלחמה ושינוי המדיניות, שר הבריאות הורוביץ אומר הבוקר, מערכת הבריאות לא תדחה אף פליט, זה עניין מוסרי ואנושי. הוצאנו בית חולים שדה לאוקראינה, שלחנו לשם ציוד רפואי וניתן מענה גם לפליטים כאן, דברי הורוביץ. מתחילת הלחימה במזרח אירופה הגיעו ארצה כ-12,500 אזרחים אוקראינים. הפרקליטות הגישה כתב אישום נגד תושב מזרח ירושלים שניסה לרצוח שני יהודים בכפר חיזמה לפני כשבועיים. מדווח כתבנו איתי שריג. על פי כתב האישום, אחמד נסלה החליט לבצע פיגוע באמצעות סכין. הוא תקף פעמיים, יום אחרי יום, יהודים שהגיעו לכפר חיזמה ונמלט מהמקום. כתב האישום מייחס עבירות מעשה טרור של ניסיון לרצח. הפרקליטות מבקשת מבית המשפט להורות על מעצרו של נסלה עד לתום ההליכים נגדו. רוכב אופנוע נפצע באורח קשה בכביש היציאה למחלף איילון צפון. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה את הפצוע נער בן 17 לבית החולים איכילוב בתל אביב עם פגיעה רב-מערכתית כשהוא מורדם ומונשם, כך מעדכן כתבנו בן נצר. ובתאונה אחרת, סמוך לצומת בית הערבה, רוכב טרקטורון נפצע באורח בינוני לאחר שהתהפך עם כלי הרכב בשטח פתוח. צוות מד"א בסיוע מסוק צבאי פינו את הפצוע הצעיר בן 24 לבית החולים הדסה עין כרם בבירה כשהוא סובל מחבלות בחזה. ידיעה שהעבירה כתבתנו בבירה יערה אברהם. התחזית בצפון הארץ צפוי גשם וייתכן גם במרכזה. בחרמון ירד שלג, הטמפרטורות עדיין תהיינה נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה. הלילה יוסיף לרדת גשם קל בעיקר בצפון הארץ. מחר צפויה עלייה קלה של הטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות.
Kesher and Shoshana Siakov. You heard Hatzilani with uh, Zusha before that. Friday morning on this Shushan Pura morning, Erev Shabbos Parshas Tzav, candle lighting at 645 in New York. Thanks for joining us. Harry Rothenberg has a message for us today. Here he is at JM in the AM. When we read the Purim story, Megillus Esther, it's so interesting to see that our arch enemy Haman has an honest moment of self-reflection. He's bragging to his wife and his friends about his wealth and his children and his honor and his power. And he says, notwithstanding all that, none of it means anything to me as long as I see that Jew Mordechai sitting at the gate and he won't get up and bow to me. And at the suggestion of his wife and his friends, he builds a gallows on which to hang Mordechai and on which he himself later gets hanged. His singular obsession about Mordechai 
led to his undoing. And it's not the first time in history that we see this type of psychological issue going on. In fact, it's been around since the beginning. The Talmud asks the question, where in the Torah is there a reference to Haman? And it answers when Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, first man and woman, sin, and they eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge, God says to them, Hamin ha'etz, did you eat from the tree? Hamin is cognate to Haman. What's the connection between Haman and eating from the tree? Because they were in a similar situation. Adam and Eve had the entire world at their fingertips. The only thing that they were told was, just don't eat from that one tree. And they couldn't handle that. Had to go eat from that tree. And if you look at current events right now, it's an interesting parallel. Putin has everything. He's got fame. He's got power. He's got honor. He's got extraordinary wealth. Palaces and yachts and jets. They say that on one of his jets, he's got a golden toilet. That's the kind of thing that you don't even add to your bucket list until after you've crossed off everything else. I can tell you personally, confidently, that if I had a golden toilet, there's no way that I'm invading Ukraine. That invasion may well be his undoing, even though he already seemingly had everything. And there's a lesson for us buried in here, in the Megillah and in current events, that instead of stressing or obsessing over the things that we don't have, we should be thankful for and counting our blessings over the things that we do have. Realize whatever we've got is a list that was curated by God. He decided exactly what we're going to have and that's what's appropriate for us. So we should be thankful and happy with what we've got. Have a fantastic Purim.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It is Shushan Purim morning. 
here at JM in the AM. Believe it or not. Hope your Purim was spectacular. And they're wishing everybody a happy Shushan Purim on this Friday era of Shabbos. Uh, it's Arab Shabbos Parsha's Tzav, candlelighting at 645 in New York. That's later than what we've been used to. A lot of synagogues might begin earlier. So make sure you know when things start where you are. But officially 645, candlelighting in New York. As we are on daylight savings time in Israel, they're still on standard time. So it's a six-hour difference. That'll change. It's coming Thursday when Israel goes to uh, daylight savings time. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. The annual NCSY Summer Perm Raffle is uh, going to be drawn this morning. We'll have the results in the 8 o'clock hour. David Cutler is going to join us. And we will uh, wish Mazal Tov to the three winners and, of course, a major Mazal Tov to the top winner, of the uh, free NCSY summer program, which is pretty cool. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Malcolm Honeline about 10 minutes away as we will explore what's happening in this amazing world of ours through the weekly update right here at JM in the AM. Semi, 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 semi,
Well, this brand-new Benny Friedman Purim uh, offering has certainly been getting a lot of attention over the last few days, including today on Shushan Purim here at JM in the AM. Avrami Flam before that with an Ahapohu. You heard Eitan Katz brand new with Me'ena Lam Haba. We'll speak with Eitan this coming week about the brand new album. Looking forward to that here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast. Hope your Purim was spectacular. Hope you um, enjoyed the festivities of the day. The uh, the Suda, the feast, the Mishloch Manos, uh, all the beautiful costumes that um, seem to get more and more creative every single year. And uh, here we are in this Erev Shabbos Parshas Tzav, which is usually, as someone pointed out in the app, uh, Tzav is usually um, uh, Zachor or Para in a leap year. And... Um, and if it's not a leap year, it's usually Shabbos HaGadol. So this is very rare that we actually read the Haftorah for Parshas Tzav tomorrow. Uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be the last time we read the Haftorah of Parshas Tzav until 2043. Wow. Another 21 years. So think of that tomorrow as you're listening to the Haftorah. 50 degrees, partly cloudy, a high temperature of 68. Right now you shall lie at 50, and we're at 50 here in New York. Candle lighting in New York, 645. It's earlier than you would suspect. Excuse me, it's later than you would suspect because we're now on daylight savings time. Difference with Israel with the East Coast is six hours. That'll go to seven hours. It's coming Thursday night as Israel will drift into daylight savings time at the end of next week. We'll do the NCSY Summer Purim Raffle in the 8 o'clock hour, coming up about an hour from now with David Cutler. That'll be happening here at JMM. And a reminder, if you want amazing articles, a, a tremendous number of articles, an incredible choice of articles about Israel and the Jewish world to print out before Shabbos to enjoy and to learn from uh, over Shabbos and the weekend. You go to jewishworldreview.com. Again, our friends at jewishworldreview.com have an amazing array and a great collection of articles and um, a different, um, uh, different perspectives on what's happening in Israel and the Jewish world. Check it out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations with us Friday morning, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Yeah, Mocha Tov. Good to be back. Hope for you're, all uh, those who are having hangovers today, <laughs> welcome to them. We'll talk, try to talk a little softly for them. I was <laughs> there is there is something about the day after Purim I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean I, I didn't do any drinking frankly, but uh, there's something about today where it's uh, I don't know just it feels a little bit more uh, uh, comfortable than usual or maybe lazy than usual. But anyway, uh, the weekly at least they have Shabbos this time to recuperate. That's true. But it is true what you said that I saw driving around to see the costumes, the creativity, the investment people made in the in the uh, things not only for children but for adults it's quite remarkable yeah lots of interesting things going on a lot of very creative people out there uh what do you th- it took me by surprise what do you think of uh of the uh, senate vote regarding daylight savings time this could be a, a very interesting change uh for the orthodox jewish community both in terms of daily davening to uh, daily tefillah and of course the times that Shabbos will begin and end during the winter. Uh, I, I didn't even realize this was going on. Did it catch you by surprise? I did not know it either, that the, that they were voting and um, going to make the law to keep the daylight savings year-round. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, 
it's got a lot of implications, and it's the reason some uh, uh, I know that they're good, and some others have uh, come out against it. But especially when children have to go to school in the morning and it's dark, but at the same time our children come back when it's dark uh, because of a longer day in Yeshivot. So it's it's um, it has a lot of implications that we have to think about. Yeah, when it happened in the 1970s, if I remember correctly, the issue was the safety of the children. That's why they went back to implementing four or five months of standard time um, after after the two-year experiment. So we'll see what will happen. But, boy, it could really, aside from the safety issue, not to minimize that, uh, and, of course, the start of Shabbos, etc., uh, the daily tefillah, the daily davening is going to be quite a challenge because both Zman tefillah and Zman tefillin are going to be much later, and they're late already this time of year, but they're going to be much later, and in some cities in the western part of different time zones, it's really going to have massive implications. Uh, Malcolm, it's a week later, and uh, obviously those who are tuned in are very curious about your perspective regarding what's happening with Russia and uh, the Ukraine. Um, what could you tell us first about the Jewish communities? Obviously, there's been a major effort from the Ukraine to get as many people out as possible and to include them among the refugees that are being uh, uh, reestablished in other countries. Uh, in Russia, I know that some people have left, but obviously that's not nearly as um, as urgent a matter because they are the aggressor in this case and not being attacked. What could you tell us about the effort to resettle Jews? So the uh, uh, the effort is uh, widely expansive, but first there is the rescue uh, effort, and uh, to get them across borders and to try within the within Ukraine to uh, find places, uh, safe havens, to provide them with uh, food and and support, and especially for the elderly who are not capable of moving. Uh, the joint I know, for instance, the JDC has. Uh, several thousand people, caretakers, whom they pay to work with Holocaust survivors and others, elderly Jews, and they can't, they're not mobile, so they pay for them to to work in, during this period uh, and to stay, in many cases, in the homes of the, their clients. And there are so many ramifications that uh, we don't consider. They, they were smart and pre-stocked food and, and resources uh, before in the months leading up to this, uh, to the outbreak of the actual violence. There are other communities that did not, and food supplies, even where they did, are running low. Uh, people are on the move constantly, and it becomes more and more difficult. The, the bus drivers charge outrageous amounts to move people, and the uh, borders uh, situations are very complicated. Uh, so once they get to the border, they can be online for a day for more uh, waiting and even being processed uh, on the borders. Poland has taken in a couple million, and, you know, there's a limit to the capacity. Moldova per capita has taken in more than anybody else. Uh, they're going to Romania. They're going through literally every border, and supposedly there are going to be nine corridors created to, to get people out, uh, and yet uh, many want to stay. The men have no choice between 18 and uh, 60. As I said, when I saw the plane in Israel, uh, one of the first planes to arrive, uh, there were 158 people, 20 males, and most of them over 60, and yet not one suitcase. And so people are coming literally with with the clothes on their back. They're leaving behind, and they're giving reports of looting and um, of of the properties as soon as people leave, uh, which I guess... It happens in, in more situations uh, generally. 
the um, there is concern about R- Russian Jews are also leaving um, people who not only reject this the, the war but who uh, are afraid of the consequences. But many lost their jobs because the nationals, the, the international companies that pulled out, and they are uh, also applying uh, to leave in greater numbers. Uh, we also are seeing hints of anti-Semitic themes and, and stuff coming up, which is, uh, of course, something we, we try to monitor and watch. The government, uh, obviously, in in, uh, in Ukraine, the government is um, is overwhelmed by, by the needs, and President Zelensky has appealed now to Congress to he's speaking to Knesset, he's speaking to all the government bodies he can, and to others. He spoke to us um, last week. Uh, you know, he's making very strong appeals to for assistance. Israel, I think, has responded amazingly. They're setting up this field hospital, and tens and tens of tons of material are being sent to enable that uh, field hospital to to function. Uh, and yet there are people who have always will single out Israel, which has taken in uh, over 5,000, considerably more, actually. And they do take non-Jews. They do take others uh, on a temporary basis. But they have the same rules and regulations they did before. People are coming as tourists, don't need visas, but people who are coming to stay uh, do, because there has to be some process, as every other country does when, when people want to come. They, they've been greeting them and treating them very generously. I saw this setup, how people, the, as soon as they arrive, they get a bank account, they get insurance, they get other things taken care of. Uh, and as somebody said, the 5,000 or 6,000 or more are five or 6,000 more than the U.S. has taken or more than England has taken. And yet um, we see, again, those who take advantage of these situations to, to focus on Israel. Um, you, you mentioned the president of the Ukraine. I, I was curious about the uh, all the addresses to the different bodies of government, as you pointed out, including the United States Congress. Um, I, I, I would assume that there is no downside to it, that if uh, you know a world leader like himself and someone now who has high profile as himself makes a plea to governments around the world, you know, he's got nothing to lose, so to speak. Is there any flaw in that strategy? Does the United States or any other country react differently because he's doing this in front of the entire world? I think they react uh, strongly. I think it's a very smart tactic because he builds up public pressure on Congress and others. I mean, there's there's concern, obviously, about uh, taking sides and, and escalating the violence. Uh, right now, I think the violence is at a at a high level anyway. But the the tactic is really a very creative one, and and he goes directly to the people when he speaks to the members of Congress, as we saw. He was really talking to the American people, and turned and, and people, uh, members of Congress, you know, were crying and uh, certainly touched emotionally. And he makes a very strong plea. And this the guy was an entertainer; he knows how to talk to people. He's uh, he's quite fluent and finished off in, in English, uh, and he's um, I, I think think it's uh, it it has served the purpose that it's built up the pressure for the United States to provide more and more um, uh, defensive equipment and even some offensive equipment. Uh, not yet to the point where we close the skies. I think everybody agrees it's, it's a risky strategy. But the providing them with stinger missiles or other things to take down aircraft or to 
be able to defend the, the country has broad support. Do you think the president of the United States, instead of waiting until next week, should have really picked up immediately and gone to the region as other world leaders did uh, just to uh, demonstrate to the world the urgency of the matter and that he should be there and all world leaders should be you know, focused on the situation as soon as possible? Well, it certainly demonstrates the level of concern and the, um, uh, it brings attention, uh, but also brings tensions with it. Uh, you know, burdening the countries with having foreign leaders there. There were several foreign ministers who went this past week. Uh, they they obviously showed the flag, and I think it's harder for Russia to bomb Kiev if you have uh, foreign leaders there. So maybe they should be rotating in into the areas where there has been heavy shooting and see if the Russians will continue. Uh, I think that, that it might be less of a disincentive than some believe. But the president, uh, you know, he, he can work from Washington. The question is what they do, not where they do it, and sending clear messages. And the question is, should we have done this earlier? Should there have been preemptive measures? Uh, you know, all of those things will be debated, and there will be a lot of books written about this. Well, I mean, what can you tell us from your point of view? Is he handling it well? Is he uh, doing what he should be doing, even if it's from Washington and not from Eastern Europe? I think a lot of what they should be doing in terms of providing assistance and aid. And and the, the question, though, that people are raising and analysts raise is not just so much what we're doing. It's the messages that we have sent. Has the United States sent a message from Afghanistan and other recent incidents in the Gulf that we are not prepared to take uh, a strong stand uh, and that that induces people like uh, um, Putin to to act, or does does um, uh, you know does the, is the role that the United States and other powers can play is to try and bring this to a rapid conclusion and to get it and to build pressure. He certainly has taken all of the economic measures, and you have to credit that with building the coalition and getting uh, all the European countries and others to join in the in the sanctions uh, efforts. Uh, frankly, I also think that the, the message maybe from the Iranian negotiations uh, reinforced this image, and uh, that, frankly, is of very great concern now, the direction that that's taking. But overall, you know, you, you hear it in the Gulf, you hear it from others. Um, in, in regard to Iran, you see how the Sunni countries, the Arab allies, and many others, are drawing very harsh conclusions and concerns and talking about having to go their own way, and that plays into the hands of others, and especially in this case uh, we see with China when Saudi Arabia is talking about dealing with the one instead of dealing with the dollar, the petrodollar, which is very critical to, to America's currency's value. The um, I mean, there are just so many ramifications of, of everything. It's easy to be a, an armchair critic when you're not in the front lines, but the... Um, you know, there will be, as I said, a lot of assessments afterwards about both the strategy and the messages that we've been sending that does America really stand by its ally? Do we do we force NATO to, to start shaping up? And when you, you see the lack of, of capacity on the part of many of the European countries, Germany is now talking about a massive rebuilding of its military because it was it's of such limited capacity and it's true of, of many of the other countries in Europe they cannot defend themselves let alone defend others all of these things are are going to be and are being already assessed are we heading to a formal agreement with Iran 
I don't know if there'll be a ceremony, but are we getting to that point now? Or are, are we one week closer to uh, to an actual agreement, one that you'll likely and most of us will be dissatisfied with? But will there be a formal arrangement at this point? So it looks like there will be, and uh, there, I can't say it's steamrolling towards one, but it's certainly moving closer and closer, and new aspects are being revealed. Again, it's a little bit hard to know what's actually fully true and what's not true, but some of the issues that people should be, uh, be looking at is, are we going to take the IRGC, Iran Revolutionary Guard, murderers, their officers, the off the terror international terror list, which the uh, uh, Trump administration put them on. Will we um, follow the example of England, which paid them $522 million of money that was owed to Iran or being held uh, in exchange for getting out a couple of, uh, of the uh, people being held by Iran? And it will, is this all part of a bigger a mutual release of, of people being held. Iran is demanding the release of people in the United States. The United States obviously is demanding the release of people being held in Iran. Then you look at, uh, uh, that's one aspect, is just what what is going to be included in the deal? What are the sweeteners that Iran has demanded? One of them that obviously would be of great concern is that Russia, the sanctions against Russia would not apply in their dealings with Iran. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what it is, which means that Russia benefits both ways. They are pushing a hard line on the part of the Iranians. They're deeply involved in the negotiations. And the negotiators said that Iran is getting things they never could have expected to get. At the same time, they have concerns. They don't want to see a nuclear Iran. But more importantly now, because of the financial constraints on them, they need Iran as an outlet. So if Iran doesn't sign a deal, then Two million barrels a day of oil are kept off the market, which keeps the price high, and Russia is the biggest exporter of oil. If they make a deal, then Russia can avoid the sanctions by exporting oil through Iran, can bypass the sanctions, economic and other sanctions um, via Iran. Uh, and Iran obviously benefits by getting people estimate $10 billion, $100 billion, $500 billion over the course of time. But even initially, could be in the tens of billions of dollars in uh, in money. At the same time, Iran launches missiles at Erbil in Iraq, saying that they were the reports where they were targeting Israeli training camps when there are no training camps there, Mossad training camps. The United States, Iraq, everybody has denied it. Uh, others believe they were aiming for the U.S. consulate that's being built there. But regardless, you see that they're continuing their aggressive behavior. Everywhere they're expanding their activities in in Syria, taking advantage of the fact that that Russia is now focused uh, uh, elsewhere. And uh, we believe, in, in the estimates of experts, that Iran's breakout time is shrinking all the time, and they could have four nuclear weapons in four months. The first one, even in a couple of weeks. There, there is opposition to the deal. You see members of Congress, Democratic members, writing to the president saying that they're opposed to it. We should be talking to our elected officials about the concerns we have. Uh, the Arabs certainly are, are expressing their deep concern because they're on the front line with Iran as well and see that this money will fuel the Houthis and the Hezbollah and Hamas and their other terrorist uh, activities. Uh, it, it, we saw
saw the, the cyber attack against Israel this past week, and they say in response to Israel's attack against the drone factory, but they have armed thousands of, of drones ready to be launched, uh, even though they don't have a real air force, but they can use missiles and drones perhaps to do as much damage as, uh, as uh, was done by uh, aircraft. Um, so the, Iran is obviously going to take advantage uh, of this situation. Russia is going to leverage its position because they know the United States wants the deal. And uh, we will we'll only know if if we know even then when it is signed. But the the concern about uh, how how this is really playing out is uh, is valid. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at AchimSegal.com and the AchimSegal Network, and of course the beloved. NSN app. How long can Putin go? I mean, you know, it's a week later now, and uh, last week we were already speculating that he never thought he'd have this type of uh, opposition reaction pushback from the Ukrainians. Uh, obviously, the Ukrainians have a tremendous will and spirit and are being led by somebody who's, uh, who's not letting them down in that area. Uh, I mean, is there going to be a point where uh, he is, um, I don't want to say give up, but is there going to be a point where he's going to you know, take a ceasefire or some type of diplomatic negotiation seriously, or he's just going to keep going until he accomplishes his goal? So, again, it's, it's not a yes or no answer. It's, um, you know, he's suffered tremendous losses amongst his troops. Um, there are estimates up to 30,000 have been captured, killed. I think that's probably an exaggeration, but the fact that he suffered amazing losses over the you know the uh, period is is not an exaggeration i think it really is the uh, descriptive of of things that have happened uh, they they you see the abandonment of of vehicles and that the russian soldiers don't really have a sense of the mission at least that's what we're told um and are not they're fighting uh, by launching rockets, but the street combat uh, didn't seem to go well for them. Uh, so he faces this humiliation. I think he thought it would be like the Crimea, and he would be able to just cut through, create the bargaining position, and then make the demands. Now you see that he's being very specific in what he, he wants, and there are talks going on, and Bennett is still playing a key role in it. He was in Moscow again. Uh, I think day before yesterday or yesterday, and he, um, you know, he's one of the few interlocutors who can speak to both sides. But the solution will only come when the pain, and I think it'll come from the internal pressure on him, that when uh, the Russian people really turn the screws about um, from the inside, and there is growing dissatisfaction, and clearly the oligarchs whose whose finances are being ruined, and whose major supporters uh, are going to increase that pressure as well. That that I think is is um, more telltale. And when uh, body bags come home, it's something that the Russians they don't can't tolerate. In in Syria, they burnt the bodies of Russian soldiers that were killed. Uh, and he has talked about four or five hundred, whereas the Ukrainians talk about m great multiples of that amount of, of the people who've been killed, and that they don't want the bodies back. The Russians don't take the bodies back. Uh, so that's that's the pressure I think that will build on him, and obviously the economic pressure on people with all the major companies pulling out. 
those jobs are lost, and it'll take a long time to rebuild. Obviously, Ukraine will need hundreds of billions of dollars to rebuild, but Russia's economy is going to uh, be impacted for a long time as well. So when somebody on Russian television news uh, you know, puts up a protest sign, they have to deal with that person very, very carefully because, as you're describing it, too many people in Russia now are siding with that person. <laughs> And are, and are sympathetic to the cause, let's put that, it that that's way. That's a good point, actually, that the person who normally, I guess, would have been sent to the gulag or something was actually released, even though she held up a sign during the news. I saw Russian Channel 1 uh, this week when I was in Israel, and it was very disturbing. They had an hour-long show called Fake News, and they showed the depictions in the West of scenes, and then they showed what they said was the, the truth. Obviously, I don't know you know, which, which, uh, what was doctored and what wasn't on either side. But what was most troubling to me is that they had a depiction of a caricature, which was a traditional anti-Semitic character of a guy with a hooked nose and squunched face and high hat, which is very typical of a lot of the anti-Semitic um, dolls and other things that are, are sold in Russia and East Europe. And... Uh, uh, we've heard other references uh, when Putin talked about those who went to Miami and, and Monaco, and, you know, hints of it. Uh, I'm not saying he's engaging in an anti-Semitic campaign because I don't know, but we hear more and more references and stuff now starting to say, well, the Jews are responsible or Israel's responsible um, with no basis, in fact, obviously, and that is not unusual to happen. <coughs> but when I see that caricature, that worries me. Uh, just back to the point for you know in terms of the uh, the general public in Russia, um, and this really has to do with uh, what I asked earlier about uh, how impatient or patient Putin would be in terms of trying to accomplish his goal. If the public pressure is going to be so great on him, and you're expecting it that as days go by, it's just going to increase like crazy. I mean, it, will that be enough to cause him to stop? Will that be enough to get him to the negotiating table? If he has a ladder to climb down and can show something if they agree not to join NATO, if they, you know, agree to certain other uh, things that don't uh, impinge their freedom of action. They can't allow a situation, um, with, uh, and if, uh, like, they, uh, like we saw in Georgia or others where the Russians permanently occupy. Uh, the question is, will they be willing to officially acknowledge Russian hegemony in Crimea and in Donbass? Uh, or in one or the other, will they work out some general <coughs> deal, such as a pledge not never to join NATO or not to join NATO now? I think if he gets those things and is able to show his people that he defended Russian honor and all the sacrifices were worth it, which is going to be difficult, uh, uh, short of uh, some sort of a blatant victory, that... Um, uh, that's why I think that we have to make sure that there are ladders for him to, to come down with some, you know, what he perceives as dignity on it. I wonder if that's uh, to the advantage of this situation, then, that the president of the United States is going next week. Maybe the calculation is that if he gives it a bit more time, they'll be closer to be able to provide those ladders than if he would have gone this week. Or just a guess. I don't know if, you know. I don't know. Maybe that, uh, may, and maybe because the behind-the-scenes talks are leading to something, then his you know, having the president there would enable them to to move it faster. Though I'm not, 
I'm not sure that that is the situation. Where will he be physically? In Poland? Like, is that he'll be in one of the NATO countries? Is that the, the plan? I don't know. They didn't announce his uh, itinerary. But you'd be shocked if he actually went to the Ukraine, right? I mean, that would be... I would be. I think the security situation would be very risky, but um, but I, I think it's possible that uh, you know the, look these foreign ministers, others across the border, when right. you know they could meet on the border or near the border. They don't have to go all the way into Kiev, uh, into um, Kiev to 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 meet. But um, you know the, there are there are options. We've seen pictures of Zelensky moving around as well. Uh, and these uh, foreign officials who are coming in uh, to the country. I wonder if they regret uh, sending the vice president to the region, because there are probably better qualified people in the administration to uh, to represent the U.S. and its interests. Do you think that was a, uh, I don't know, a ter- was there a terrible result from that visit, or, or, or everybody made it through and it's not that big of a deal? Uh, I don't think it made a difference one way or the other. Um, you know, the idea was to show the flag and have uh, the vice president. Unfortunately, the, all the attention goes to the gaps and to the um, uh, comments. I don't think, you know, it, it, it made a big difference one way or another. I think it's just the United States is showing that it's committed and concerned and to put pressure on our allies to do more. And could you describe what the United Nations is or is not doing now about this whole situation? I mean, we all have our perception of why of why the UN exists and what its role is supposed to be. Uh, what are they or are are they not doing now in regard to Russia and the Ukraine? Well, they're very limited because you have the veto of China and Russia on any measures against them, but they are involved in humanitarian work uh, near the borders of or uh, maybe even inside Ukraine. Uh, but you, you just see how feckless an organization it is, how meaningless that this could take place. So this is exactly the situations for which it was created. If, God forbid, you know Israel was involved, you can be sure we've had 27 resolutions and all sorts of uh, measures uh, being taken. And we're eclipsing, by the way, the existence of this commission of investigation, which is getting very little attention, but is really a dangerous initiative on their part because it's time it's not time limited, and it has an unlimited budget, and it's it's like establishing a law firm just to prosecute Israel within the United Nations. In addition to the existing committees that are promoting the Palestinian cause, and for which millions and millions of dollars are allocated each year, uh, there are two two such uh, bodies, and this is now uh, a, a, an additional one that I think is it should be taken with far greater seriousness. Uh, than it generally is. We are working on it, and we've been mobilizing and, and trying to uh, to keep attention focused on it. But obviously, it's very hard given Iran and given um, the situation in, in Ukraine. So the UN role is uh, it seems to be pretty marginal. Um, the um the number, according to the Jerusalem Post, of Russian casualties is over 14,000. You used the figure 3,000 before about Russia or about Ukraine in terms of uh, war casualties? Oh, maybe you were referring to the army, I would assume. Right? Uh, well, the, the the number of dead that they keep – I'm saying that there are so many estimates. It's up right. to 30,000 right. in, in a of... report that came out this morning from, the, uh, from Ukrainian sources that of those who have been taken prisoner, those who have been killed, those who – whom they're holding, um, that number seems to me to be somewhat uh, 
implausible, but it's so huge. Uh, but the the fact that that um, and and I've spoken to officials who who were telling us numbers already two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, of ten thousand killed and nine thousand killed, and President Zelensky has used this, and I think they will be careful with the numbers because they know that that's something that can be proven or disproven. But the the, the number clearly is very high. And, uh, you know, given the fact that they're only in some places engaged in actual street warfare, it means that the Ukrainians are attacking them. You see this convoy can't move. You see how many trucks are being abandoned and, and vehicles, uh, armored carriers, tanks, and they're in cases where they're selling the gasoline from their vehicles. Uh, and many of them are abandoning it, just running into the forest and, and asking for, for um, safe haven. Uh, so there doesn't seem to be a high level of motivation. And now there's talk about bringing volunteers from Syria. There were volunteers from Chechnya, which is scary because they're very vicious fighters. Um, supposedly there were teams, including from Chechnya, sent to assassinate Zelensky. And so far they've been um, neutralized or haven't acted. Uh, and you have to say that it's it's remarkable how they've held out and without using their air force. Ukraine still has an air force, and most of their planes are intact, but they're saving them for the battle over Kiev and uh, uh, and are asking for more, uh, and especially MiGs, which their pilots are used to flying, to um, to counter the Russian dominance in, in the sky. Uh, but they don't have um, – they have Stinger missiles. They have other anti-tank missiles, which are really very important. Uh, for protecting in battles that are taking place today. Do you think Putin's in uh, regular contact with the leader of China? I think he is absolutely in regular contact with the leader of China. And you mentioned uh, earlier about this NATO membership, you know, possibly being a negotiating ship if they ever get to the negotiating table. What about membership in the EU? Is that a uh, a far-flung idea that Ukraine could become a member of the EU? Not far-flung, but I just don't think that that... That doesn't upset him as much as being part of the, of the military alliance. Um, but um, so far, Ukraine wasn't admitted to the EU, so it's nothing imminent. Um, you saw that Russia was was thrown out of the Council of Europe, of which it's been a member for 26 years. And it's another one of the sanctions that are, are being applied. Frankly, if the war keeps going, then the Europeans might use this as leverage and start moving to make uh, Ukraine uh, a member, but also countries like Moldova and others that have applied for uh, some level of membership or association with EU, with NATO, with other things, uh, could be uh, admitted, which is also going to be taken very seriously by Russia. Boy, oh boy. Well, we'll see what happens. Malcolm and I... But there is good news, and you should look. There are going to be direct flights to Sharm el-Sheikh, whether you think it's good news or not, from Tel Aviv. But also the UAE, Morocco, they're all starting uh, uh, flights, um, regular flights in the next weeks. Uh, so they're, they're, And the Abraham Accord, I saw in Israel delegations, 50 businessmen from Morocco, other delegations from the UAE. Things really, um, uh, uh, really remarkable developments in in uh, that regard, and we see even uh, uprisings in Gaza against the fact that the government is building these mosques at the cost of multiple millions of dollars, and saying that's not where the money money has to go to the people. So maybe this will awaken people 
to uh, to look at the, some of the corruption in the countries in the Middle East and elsewhere and lead to some good. Amen to that. Malcolm and I remind everybody that when you uh, have this desire, which I hope a lot of people do to help people in the Ukraine and help refugees who've left the Ukraine, uh, make sure that uh, you're doing so through uh, responsible institutions. There are many great organizations that are leading efforts both with supplies and with funds, and uh, we encourage that. Just make sure that... Uh, uh, you uh, are confident in their abilities to actually get those supplies and funds to the people who need them. Uh, Malcolm, a happy Shushan Perm. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak in Mir Hashem next week. I hope everybody sobers up and uh, <laughs> have a great Shabbos. Mir Hashem will talk next week. There he is, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time with a weekly update right here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Whoa. First of all, Efreilicha Shushan Purim. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Tzav. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Tzav contains 18 mitzvos, evenly divided, 9 positive, and 9 restrictions. I'd like to tie in, as I will in a moment, Blineder, the Parsha, with the Yom Tov of Purim that we are still celebrating. We did not say Lab Natseach this morning, and if somebody is an Ovel, they did not sit formal Shiva yesterday, nor are they sitting Shiva today, according to Ashkenazic practice. So the, it's interesting to note that among the nine positive mitzvos, the very first one is that of the mitzvah of Haramas Hadeshem, the mitzvah of lifting off the ash from the Mizbeach. We're taught that a Kohen had to remove the ashes every day from the Mizbeach, called Trumas, lifting off of the ash, and it was done every day without fail. And it's interesting to note that basically you could call this housekeeping. You could call it taking off taking out the trash. I don't want to use, God forbid, the word G-A-R-B-A-G-E in conjunction with the Beis Hamikdash. But that's exactly what it is. The Mizbeach was, the altar, was busy all day. Picture the Beis Hamikdash. The, the Mizbeach is a, what you would call an altar, but picture a barbecue outside approximately 75 by 75 feet. It has to be this large because we have Jews from coming all over Eretz Yisrael. Mazel Tov, a woman in the north, she had a baby. She's bringing a korban. Mazel Tov, a gentleman in the south, he, Baruch Hashem, got a promotion. Or, as we read in the parsha, a korban toda. He went through a serious a medical issue, and Baruch Hashem, he's okay. He, among the three others that bring a korban, told her, he's bringing a korban. Somebody forgot it was Shabbos, and accidentally, there's so much going on 
every day in the Beis Hamikdash, you need Baruch Hashem, a large mizbeach, and before you start the day's work in the mizbeach, you have to first clean off the ashes from yesterday. There were no korbanos brought at night, but they saved pieces of korban brought during the day, korbanos ola, etc., that could be brought on the mizbeach at night, so the mizbeach was active all the time, and in the morning, you clear the ashes before you begin the next day's work. Rav Shimshimul Rafal Hirsch in his commentary on this Pasuk, sees a very sharp Hashkafic idea. And this idea is that you cannot begin the first day's work until you properly acknowledge those that preceded you. The uh, individuals that preceded you yesterday, meanly namely in the Beis Amigdash, the Kohanim, but each individual, his parents, his teachers, have to ever realize that when you are starting a new day, you are doing so thanks to the efforts and the teachings and that which they have shown you, that you are really a midget on the soldier, on the shoulders, excuse me, of giants. That is, according to Rav Hirsch, the beautiful concept of the Harama Sadeshen, which we'll get to in a moment, and Bliner to tie into Megillas Esther that we were privileged to read yesterday. The Chinuch tells us that this has to do with the idea of the appreciation of the Beis Amigdash. What does that mean? That to magnify the glory of the Beis Hamikdash, and to do whatever we can to raise and appreciate the proper kavod that we are to have for the Beis Hamikdash. And interesting to note, I would have thought that perhaps if a Kohen had a pair of jeans, maybe he would wear that when he cleared off the ash. And Bedavka here, the Torah says, know that the Kohen is to wear big day kahuna. They don't have to be the best, but he has to wear the special priestly garments, and they have to be of the proper size. One wouldn't think that this could be done if he's dressed sloppily. No, the idea is that he is having the privilege Two. Now, to prove this point of privilege, go take a look at the first and second Mishnayos of the second Perak of Yuma. And we're told over there that initially, because the cleaning of the Mizbeach was done before day, before daybreak, <coughs> you would think that maybe one or two persons would come and volunteer. Okay, so originally they had it that whichever Kohen got to the top of the Mizbeach, and there were no steps, as we know from the end of Parshas Yisro, there was only a ram, that whichever Kohen got to the top of the Mizbeach, he'd be the one to have this distinction. And the Mishnah tells us that once there were two Kohanim that were, quote, neck and neck, and one realized it, and he simply 
shoved the other one off the ramp, caused him to unfortunately break his leg. And from then on, they did a lottery every day to determine who would have the, quote, privilege of clearing off the. Now, once I use that privilege, I'm just going to tell you a something which occurred to me many years ago in Israel. I'll make this very quick. It's personal, but I can only tell you, I was driving. I enjoy driving in Israel, and uh, I had one of my sons, um, this is before I was even able to listen to Shiurim, which I do, Parach Hashem, as I drive, but I had one of my sons give me the Torah station, and when I heard this, I had to pull over. What did I hear? Very quickly, Abba comes home from shul Friday night, says gachabis to the family, and mommy says, gachabis, but I have to tell you, little Chani, unfortunately, didn't behave. I don't remember what she did, not important. So Abba was given the, quote, task of choosing an appropriate punishment for little Chani, who had misbehaved. Abba thinks for half a minute, and he looks with a serious face, and he says, Chani, I'm sorry to tell you, but you cannot clear the table tonight after the Suda. When I heard that, I had to pull over. I had to digest it. Could you imagine what a special Jewish home that children are taught that to clear the table after the Suda is a privilege? And therefore, he gave her that punishment that for this Friday night, you can't clear the table. Wow. That's learning from this mitzvah. It happens to be mitzvah 131 in the Sefer HaChinuch, but it's an incredible idea. Now, let's work with the second idea, that of Rav Shimshon Fol Hirsch, who says that the purpose of this honor to the ash of yesterday is to remember the holy misora that we have. Now, where do we have this in the Megillah, Megillah's Esther? So, interestingly, in chapter 3, when we're told that the Mordechai did not bow down, now listen carefully, to any human. Now, did Haman actually call and declare himself a god? I don't think so. Neither did the rabbis. Did he have some kind of a, um, let's say, religious ornament around his neck? Very possibly yes. From the letter of the law, could one have gotten a halachic permission if he is not necessarily an avodah maybe if your life is at stake? Now listen carefully. The Targum says, and why didn't Mordechai bow down? And the answer is that Mordechai is a descendant of Binyamin, Ish Yemini. He comes from Binyamin. And Binyamin did not bow down to Esav when they come after the 20 years that they are apart from each other and they meet. So Yaakov and his entire family all bow down. Now you're going to say to me, come on, he didn't bow down because he wasn't born yet. The rabbis don't even factor that in. Whoa, what a privilege. And guess what, my friends? Where was the base of Migdash built? The base of Migdash was built in the Chalik of Binyamin. Tell me why. Because just that, that 
Binyamin did not bow down. So what do we have? Mordechai was proud to continue the Mesorah that he got from um, his ancestor, Binyamin. And I am going to share with you one of my personally favorite psukim in Megillas Esther. And what do you find towards the end of chapter 9 of Megillas Esther, verse 28? And I'll read the English just to save time. Consequently, these days should be remembered and celebrated by every single generation. Family, mishpacha, and it's written, mishpacha u mishpacha. The family traditions play a very important role. And province, city, and these days of Purim shall never cease among the Jews. Could you imagine writing a book? 2,500 years ago, a great story, no question about it. But to be able to say with absolute definitiveness that Purim will be observed forever, and I mean forever, unbelievable. So what did he say? These days of Purim shall never cease among the Jews, nor shall their remembrance perish from their descendants. Now let's understand, my friends, that There are two places in our Torah where the Torah speaks of transmission from a, not just parent, but grandparent to grandchildren. You have it in Parshas for Eschanan, whereby the Torah teaches that there is a um, positive obligation, says the Pasuk, in Devarim, chapter 4, Pasuk 9. And I'll read the English again just to save time. Only beware for yourself and greatly beware for your soul, lest you forget the things that your eyes have beheld, Matan Torah, and all the preparation and all the excitement, and lest you remove them from your heart all the days of your life. Watch this. Make them known to your children and your children's children. It doesn't say keep kosher, you and your children and children's children. It doesn't say keep Shabbos, you and your children and children's children. But you have it by giving over the Misora, and indeed, the Gemara in Dushin, that Lamid Amar Aleph teaches that whoever teaches Torah to their grandchildren, right? Komalami Torah, the Ben Beno, to his, come on, to his uh, grandson, the Torah looks upon it as as if he received it from our Sinai. Why? As much as there's an obligation on the father to teach Torah, there's the obligation on a grandparent, because a grandparent is closer to the Mesorah, right? The grandparent saw the great Gedolim that the grandchildren did not see when the grandfather, Baruch Hashem, had that privilege. And finally, we are now a month before Pesach, Shloshim Yom, Kodem It's the other place where you have this as well, is in Parshas Bo. And what does it say at the beginning of Parshas Bo? That regarding giving over what happened in Mitzrayim, the Torah says, and I quote, Leman Tisaper, so that you may relate in the ears of your son and your son's son.
There it is again. What? What HaKadosh Baruch Hu did in Mitzrayim, which comes up in a month from now. And so, I take this opportunity to wish everybody not only a Freilich, a Shushan Purim, and a wonderful Shabbos, but the idea is very quickly too. No such thing as you take out the trash from the base of Migdosh. Oh no, what a privilege. And every home should be looked upon as a Mikdash Ma'at. What a privilege it is to keep the home, especially, not only for Shabbos, but during the week, in a special way, an honor to take out the trash. And secondly, the concept of, wow, the punishment that was given to that girl. You can't clear the table. The idea is that working within the home and keeping our holy Mesorah is so precious to us. Shabbat Shalom and a Freilich Hashushan Purim to all. See?
Pretty amazing, huh? Moshe Klein, Bowie Kala, brand new Friday morning broadcast. Shushan Purim morning here at JM in the AM. Shushan Purim in general is always a celebratory day. And, of course, the fact that it's attached to Purim makes it extra special. Uh, but for us, Shushan Purim has become uh, somewhat of a tradition uh, to highlight the NCSY summer programs and to actually announce the winners of the NCSY summer Purim raffle. The raffle... Um, has concluded uh, the um, the um, raffle cards or results have been pulled and we get the opportunity to announce the winners in just a moment here at JM in the AM with us live via telephone is the leader of NCSY Summer of course the one and only David Cutler David a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM happy Shushan Purim to you Good morning, Nachum. How are you? All right. Thanks for giving us this opportunity to tell the world about the three big winners. Before we get to the winners and before we talk about the raffle, we should mention that you have reached, you have achieved an incredible number in terms of NCSYers, in terms of uh, NCSY uh, um, participants for this coming summer. Give us the update on what's happening regarding NCSY Summer 2022. Baruch Hashem, we just surpassed 2,100 kids this summer, which really is, uh, again, a phenomenal number for us. Uh, there, there are still some seats on some programs, but for the most part, our programs are, are pretty full. Uh, but people who want to get in certainly can. We, we just announced, I'm excited about a new program. We just announced a little late in the game, but there's some really good interest in the program that we announced uh, for current 8th and ninth graders uh, who want to play basketball in Israel, a program called Jump Shot. 
Uh, and again, there, there are a tremendous number of programs uh, on our website that I encourage people to go see. And uh, we're very excited, Baruch Hashem. The summer's going as normal. Israel is open, as you've heard. Yeah. I just came. I just came back from there. It was a wonderful trip. And uh, we're, we're very excited about the program. Thank God. Yeah, Baruch Hashem, Israel, again, is an option for people. And uh, let's hope it stays that way. The uh, information email is summer at ncsy.org. Again, summer at ncsy.org. The website for information about all the programs, including the Jump Shot Israel brand new program, is summer.ncsy.org. In fact, if you know an 8th or ninth grader, or if you have an 8th or ninth grader in your home, uh, child, grandchild, whatever the case may be, that wants to participate in the basketball program in Israel. This is for them. It's brand new. Summer.ncsy.org. Again, summer.ncsy.org has all the information regarding every one of the programs. And the uh, uh, the centerpiece of the uh, NCSY Summer is, of course, the day or the night where all the programs get together. This time, Yom NCSY is taking place on Wednesday, July the 13th, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we get closer. All right, I remind everybody that the NCSY Summer Purim Raffle has three prizes. First prize is the free NCSY Summer Program of your choice or $5,000. The second prize is tickets for two to Israel. And the third prize is a $500 Visa gift card. I ask you, David Cutler, are you ready for me to announce the results? We definitely are, Nach. I'm very excited. And uh, the people, God willing, uh, I'm sure are waiting by the edge of their seats. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. This is a big deal after all. All right, third prize. I remember we chose these in order, first, second, and third. We'll announce them in reverse order, and here we go. Uh, third prize winner, the $500 Visa gift card. Congratulations to Audrey Whites of Yonkers, New York. Audrey Whites of Yonkers, New York. A $500 Visa gift card. We say congratulations. Mazal tov to you on this Shushan Purim morning. Ready for the second prize. The second prize is two tickets to Israel. Two tickets to Israel. And now that Israel's opened up, those are tickets that are very valuable. And the truth is actually they are more very valuable. The way the prices are going, boy, are they valuable. Uh, the winner of the two tickets to Israel, the second prize in the NCSY Summer Purim Raffle, is Ariel Remmer. Ariel Remmer of Toronto, Canada. Ariel <laughs> Remmer of Toronto, Canada. Congratulations to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. And now uh, the uh, moment we've all been waiting for, the first prize winner announcement. The first prize, it's a free summer or $5,000. And, David, in past years, uh, this has always gone, interestingly enough, um, either to somebody who um, – uh, who really uh, benefited? How do I put this? Who, you know, for whom it was really a great thing that they got a free summer, uh, or they were able to uh, uh, use the cash for a great reason. It seems like this. For, I mean, all the prizes are great, but it seems the first prize always goes to somebody who, uh, uh, for whom it's it's a perfect fit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hundred percent. Listen, the, the the people primarily buying the the raffle tickets are people that are in you know registered for a summer program, and no matter who you are. Right. If you're registered for a summer program, they'll cost somewhere between, let's say, five and nine and a half thousand dollars, and uh, and you get to go for free. That's a very good price. And therefore, <laughs> so, uh, with that, with, so people are really excited about it. With that in mind, we announce that the free summer or five thousand dollars, the first prize, and the NCSY summer Purim raffle on the Shushan Purim goes to Jeremy Eisenberger of Hollywood, Florida. Jeremy Eisenberger. Of Hollywood, Florida, congratulations. Mazel Tov again. First prize, Jeremy Eisenberger of Hollywood, Florida. Second prize, the two tickets to Israel, Ariel Remmer of Toronto, Canada. And third prize winner, the Visa gift card, Audrey Whites 
of Yonkers, New York. And I think this has happened in past years as well. It's nice to see that geographically we've distributed these prizes really well, David. Yeah, 100%. And it's nobody that I know, which is actually also really good. Um, I just want to say two things. First of all, thank you, Nachum, for, having, for doing this and for always having, you know, having our back and, and partnering with us. It's really wonderful. Uh, second, I, I want to actually wish Mazel Tov to all the, the winners, which is actually, like you said, a big deal, especially a free program or tickets to Israel now, right now are, are certainly a big deal. Right. And third, I really want to encourage everybody who's in Eretz Yisrael this summer to join us at some point. Whether it's for Yom NCSY on July 13th or it's on Tishabov on August 7th at the Kotel, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience to spend some time with, with uh, these kids who are really undergoing life-changing experiences together with their staff in a very meaningful place, obviously, in a very meaningful way. So anybody who's in Eretz Yisrael this summer, we would love to have you stop by our base medrash in Kolel or Mechlelet, stop by one of our programs, stop by the Kotel, um, just daven with us, sing with us, have a, have a shawarma with us. Uh, but, I, but I encourage anyone, summer at ncsy.org, summer at ncsy.org, to join us and spend some time with us this summer in Eretz God willing, or any one of our programs in Baltimore, in upstate New York, wherever we are, just uh, really spend some time with us. Email again is summer at ncsy.org, summer at ncsy.org. For information about all the programs, you can go to the website, summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org. Congratulations to Jeremy Eisenberger of Hollywood, Florida, first prize winner of the free summer or $5,000 in the NCSY Summer Purim Raffle. David Cutler, a happy Shushan Purim to you and a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Nachum. A wonderful Shushan Purim to you, a great Shabbos, and uh, all the best. Thank you for everything you do. I want to thank David Cutler for giving us the opportunity again to be the place where the world finds out who wins the NCSY Summer Raffle. Congratulations, Jeremy Eisenberger, Ariel Remmer, and Audrey Weitz from all of us here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. most amazing dream last night It was very thrilling and entrancing The world became a place so filled with light And in my dream Jews everywhere were dancing Because Mashiach had arrived, peace and love began to thrive, no more war no more hate, a time to celebrate Aha! Since long ago at Har Sinai, Chaveirim Ko Yisroel. Mishet Asa Nisim, Asa Nisim Lavoteinu, Vega'alotam, Me'avdut Lecheru. Hashem, we beg of you, please make this dream come true. By now it's surely known, we just can't do it on our own. Handle for centuries, 
so wrong I think deep down they knew it all along because Mashiach had arrived peace and love began to thrive the whole world came to storm our gates but there's no gators it's too late ah, 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 ah. and for the first time my oh my since long ago at Har Sinai Hashem we beg of you please make this dream new from Journeys, volume number five, here on a Friday morning, JM in the AM, Shushan Purim morning. Candlelighting 645, later than you'd expect, 645, because we're now on daylight savings time. Again, candlelighting in New York is 645, keep that in mind. Um, as we, um, again, are now on daylight savings time, we will uh, be... We'll have a six-hour difference until Thursday with Israel. Six hours right now until Thursday when Israel goes on daylight savings time. It'll become seven hours again. So keep that in mind uh, on this Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos Parshas Tzav. Again, candlelighting 645 on the Shushan Purim. If you don't receive or if you don't get on a daily basis our daily thread or weekly newsletter, just write to Avrami and... Um, He'll make sure to include you on the list. It's af at nachumsegel.com. Again, af at nachumsegel.com. If, if you do not receive the uh, daily thread or the weekly newsletter, af at nachumsegel.com. And Avrami will certainly include you in that uh, uh, mailing each and every day. Worthwhile, worthwhile to say the least. This way you'll be up to date on everything that we're doing here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Sun is going down. It's 
shining through the trees. Another week's gone by, become a memory. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemySingle.com. On the AlchemySingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing day and a great week here at JMNAM. Thanks so much for joining us. Monday, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Meanwhile, enjoy our... Erev Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Mark Zamek in the Erev Shabbos Show at 10 a.m. this morning, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. 
Tomorrow night, Saturday Night Single with Avrami. Mat this Sunday morning with JM Sunday beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And uh, plenty of great programming all through the weekend here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a wonderful Shushan Purim. Have a great Shabbos and a wonderful weekend. Until next week, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.